Hello and welcome to the Central Buna podcast. My name is Rusty Mott and I am honored to be the lead pastor here at Central Buna. We are a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And we are hoping that this podcast will be a resource to help you not only know Jesus, but grow in him today. To find out more about our church, to give, to plug in, to connect with what God is doing here at Central Buna, head over to CBCB. Buna.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this message. As we turn our attention to the Word of God this morning, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we will make a home, uh, continuing this series that we have called Rediscover Church. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing and, and what I would just identify and recognize as the continuing uh, legacy of this church family. You know, for over a hundred years, Central Buna has been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in and around Southeast Texas, from uh, the days at at Besmay to the days where we had circuit riding preachers uh, coming through here, all the way to the past several decades of having one pastor here at Central. Uh, And we even have a a former staff member here, Brother Scott, uh, glad to have you, a former youth pastor here from Uh, I won't say how many years ago. I I don't think you look old enough to have been here that many years ago, brother, but glad to have you here. And and I wanted to just kind of mention our history this morning and mention who we are and how long we've been here and how much God has done because this series, this call to rediscover church, I, I want to just remind you of the reality that this is not a call to a major course correction. Uh, We're not having to rediscover church because until Rusty became your pastor, you've been doing it wrong, all right? I want you to understand that is not what's happening here. But the reality is in the life of every single church in existence, every single local church, there are moments where the Lord wants to refocus, revive, and renew our commitments to the core reality of who it is that he has called us to be as the church of Jesus Christ. So even though we're using this new mission statement, I want to make you understand and make sure that you're with me. This statement is rooted in the word of God, and it is this word of God that has led Central Baptist Church for over a century. But here's the truth, friends. If the Lord tarries, we must renew our commitment so that there can be some other knucklehead in the pulpit in 2124 saying the same thing I'm saying to you right now. Amen? So, so this is what we're doing in this season. So let's once again look at this mission statement that we have used in this uh, series called Rediscover Church. Here's what we said. Central Buna is a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And if you remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. And that word church, we said literally means movement. It's not just a trendy word for 2024. It is a word that literally means militia, gathering, army that the Lord is calling out of our normal everyday life to come together for the sake of the mission to which we've been called. And then last week we talked about perhaps the most difficult transition that any church has to actually walk through, and it was that transition from me to we. 
where we had to just say, man, it's not about me. It's not about my preferences, my desires. Instead, we want to wrap our lives around the word of God and what it says. So we looked at Romans 15 and this call to build one another up, not just for the sake of empty encouragement, but to build one another up through the word of God. So what I want us to focus on this week is this call to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. So let's dive into the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And this is what the word of the Lord says. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call it's going to give us today. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would apply your truth to our hearts in a way that we can grab hold of it, and be changed by it. Lord, would you just, through your word, mold and shape us into the individuals, the families, and the church that you desire us to be. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the way that you use it. This time belongs to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this letter from Paul to the Corinthian church is a letter that has ministered to me in a lot of ways over the years. It's really a letter about weakness, Which seems ironic, but what was happening, some false teachers were questioning Paul's credentials. They were saying, you're listening to this guy? Of all the people you could listen, this is your dude? This is who you're going to take orders from? This is who you're going to listen to and develop your church based on this guy's ideas? And these false teachers were saying, this shouldn't be the way you go. Here's what you actually need to be doing. And I love what Paul does when you look at 2 Corinthians. Paul doesn't say, how dare you guys come at me? Like, here's my spiritual resume. Here's all the churches I've planted. Here's all the things that are going on. Check out everything I'm doing. How dare you confront me in this way? No, instead, what Paul does in the book of 2 Corinthians is he shows and talks about his weakness and how it's actually in his weakness that Christ's perfect strength is demonstrated. In fact, you might remember chapter 12 of that. I think our students were in that passage uh, recently on a Wednesday night. The, the reality that Paul said he has this thorn in the flesh that he's asked the Lord to remove, but he hasn't done it. And this, I believe, is really the purpose statement for the entire book of 2 Corinthians. He says, his grace is sufficient for me. It's the message of 2 Corinthians. And here in chapter 5, he's talking about how it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that ought to define us. Uh, Not your past, not your history, not your flesh, but instead who you are in Christ ought to define you. See this starting here in verse 16 where Paul said, From now on, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. 
Paul says when we're saved, what happens is God gives us a brand new way of seeing the world, seeing the people around us, even seeing our lives. In fact, I would say it this way. He's given you new eyes. John chapter 3, where Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. Do you remember what he said? Unless one is born again or saved, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, when you gave your life to Christ for the first time in your life, you had vision to see things in a kingdom way. We ought to be looking in a kingdom way at the world in which we live. Paul says we don't compare each other based on the flesh. We don't look at all of these things. And man, in a world that is constantly evaluating all of these things, our looks, our achievements, our accolades, 1 Samuel 16, 9 is an important reminder to us. Do you remember what the Lord said? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Do you remember that verse? And that's good news for God's people. So what that means for us, a couple things. First, why are you going to try to fake out God? Right? We, we church people, classic, classic move. Let's just put it all together, make sure we got it all buttoned up, everything looks good. Man, God knows, right? You're not going to trick God. So, but, but here's what I want to tell you. I say that, hopefully that convicts you, but at the same time, brothers and sisters, be encouraged by the reality that you can stop pretending to be okay. You can stop acting like you have it all together, but instead, we have this great privilege and great joy of being able to go to a father who perfectly knows us, perfectly sees us, and yet loves us and calls us his own. Isn't that freeing today? So the world evaluates us by the outside, but God's looking at our heart. He's not looking for religious performers but when you stop pretending, you can actually, in Christ, become who it is that you were truly created to be. You can step into your divine calling. And what is that calling? It's to become a new creation. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Friends, a crazy thing happens when you meet King Jesus. Did you know Jesus didn't come to just make you a better person? Did, did you know that Jesus didn't come to make you more religious? He didn't come to help you level up your life and be a better version of you? No, Jesus came to make you a totally new creation. Jesus did not come to this earth to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come to life. He is in the business of completely recreating you. You say, well, that sounds a little bit radical, Pastor. Yeah, the Bible's radical. This language in verse 17 is kind of crazy, isn't it? A new creation. Some of your translations say a new creature. And then it says this, the old you died and the new you has come to life. But I always enjoy the, the opportunity to, to preach at camps for uh, students and even children at times. And you know, man, how, how many of you maybe in here would just say, man, I was saved at a youth camp or a kid's camp? Probably several of you, right? So, so man, a, a lot of people got saved in, in those settings, and it's always fun to see a harvest kind of time come. And I, I love what I get to do there. Man, I'll say like at the end of the week, I'm like, hey, uh, how many of you got saved this week? And they'll hands all over that tabernacle, and it's an awesome feeling. But here's what I always say. Congratulations, we had 32 deaths this week. Cam doesn't want to report those numbers, right? 
But the reality is 32 people said, man, like I want to die to myself and, and I've become a brand new creation in Christ. Friends, let me just ask you, is that your salvation experience? Have you been recreated? Have you ever truly come to Jesus and let him make you brand new? If not, I've been praying for you all week. I've just been asking, Lord, just show people. Give them eyes to see that they don't have eyes to see yet. Lord, let them know that they don't know you so that they can be recreated. Let today be the day of salvation. Friends, if you are here in this place and you have never been recreated by Jesus, let today be the day of salvation. Don't rely on your religious works. Don't rely on how good you think you are based on Southeast Texas standards or your neighbor. That's not how it works. It always scares me when I say, tell me about how you came to know Christ. And people will say something to me like, well, uh, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Or they'll say, yeah, I got baptized when I was six. And I'm like, uh... Being in the church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in the oven makes you a biscuit. The call is this. Come to Jesus and be radically recreated. This is your testimony. So, so I just want to ask you again, have you had that moment? Man, if you've been playing church your whole life, today is the day the Lord sent me to tell you, quit Come to Jesus and be radically recreated. Be made new. Experience salvation for the first time. How does this salvation happen? Well, the text is going to call this process reconciliation. Verse 18 says that Jesus has reconciled us to God. That word reconciliation is a word we don't really use a lot, but it simply means to be made right with someone. So if I'm at odds with you, if you and I are not in relationship, we need to be reconciled so that we can come back together. And the fact of the matter is, every single one of us, every single one of us are at odds with the Lord because of our sin. The Bible says, we said it last week in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we are at odds with our Creator. God is holy. He is always right and always just. And because he is a holy God, he cannot and will not tolerate sin and sinners. So this is a big problem because you and I, as we've already established, are sinners. God is perfect and holy. You and I, not so much. So, so how is it that we can have this relationship with God that he created us to have? How is that going to happen? We desperately need to be reconciled to God. And if you read the Old Testament, man, you see God's people desperately trying to do that. God gives them the law and the sacrificial system, and they try to reconcile themselves. They try to make themselves right. But time and time again, they fail. Because you and I never, on our own and in our own strength, will be able to make ourselves righteous and holy. There's a silly illustration that I've used over the years, but I think it really paints a great picture of this. If, if this morning I had like a big ice cream cone right now, first of all, the sermon will be over because I'm just sitting down to eat it, right? I just like, hey, thanks, I'll be back in a minute. I'm gonna tag Bryce in, say get up here and preach. But if I had this big ice cream cone and Bryce said, I know what's gonna happen, ice cream's a trigger for Rusty, he's gonna sit down and not preach. So if Bryce runs up here and slaps it out of my hand and it falls down on the ground, 
Let me tell you what's going to happen in that moment. Bryce and I are going to be at odds with one another. So how can we be reconciled? Let's say Bryce were to be like, man, I got to be reconciled to, to Rusty. He's my friend, but he's also my boss. We got to fix this. So say he picks this thing up and, you know, it's got a little debris on it from the carpet. The kids were all up here earlier and he's like, oh, this isn't going to work. So let's say he just kind of starts kind of brushing some of the stuff off. It's not coming off. So he's going to spit shine it a little bit and kind of, it's kind of messy. It, it, this is a long way for it to fall. It's deformed. He's going to take his hands and kind of form it back into a nice looking ball and ice cream cone for me. And he says, hey, uh, here, here you go, Rusty. We good? Are we going to be good? Honestly, if it's Bluebell, I might still, I don't know, I don't know. That's just so, so, all right, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. For the purpose of the illustration, let's keep going. We are not reconciled. The only thing that's gonna happen that's gonna be able to make that right is for him to bring me a brand new ice cream cone. So just work on that, brother. Here's the thing. As silly as that illustration is, can I tell you that this is what so many people do? We know that we're at odds with God. And you just know that. And even if you're kind of putting up a brave face right now, like when you put your head on the pillow at night and all the noise of the world stops, like you know all is not well. I'm at odds with the God who created me. So here's what we try to do. I gotta get back in church. Man, I'm really glad some of y'all are here in this season. You're like, man, we got to get back in church. We're going to start coming to church again. And man, they, they pass, let's going to give. We're going to serve. We're going to start doing things. We're going to get involved. I'm going to start doing all these things. But at the end of the day, here's what I want to tell you. All of your religious works, your religious striving, and your effort is putting the spit shine on a life that will never make yourself righteous and holy. The only way you can be reconciled to God is not through your performance and your efforts of cleaning up your own life. The only way to be reconciled to God is to be made completely new. And the only way to be made new is to come to Christ. Verse 21 tells us how this happens. Look at it in your Bible. It's so powerful. He, so God, made the one who did not know sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Even though we were sinners, even though we were enemies of God, we were at odds with him. Jesus lived his entire life and he never sinned. He never did anything outside of the will of his heavenly father. Yet the Bible says as he hung on the cross, that the wrath of God, the punishment that you and I deserved was poured out on Christ and he took the punishment that we deserved. Jesus became sin so that he could take the punishment for all humanity's sin, past, present, and future. And when we surrender our lives to King Jesus, when we bow the knee and commit our lives to him, in that very moment, his death on the cross pays the price for our sins, and his righteous life is given to us. A few weeks ago, we got fancy and called that double imputation. 
That's what theologians would refer to it as. And here's what that means, is that Jesus' death on the cross, his payment for sin, is imputed or given to us. And at the same time, that's why it's double imputation, his righteous, perfect life is applied to us as well. It's imputed to us, it's given to us. So not only, would you remember this conversation? I hope some of you maybe do, because here's what we said. This, This is pretty epic when you think about it. If I gave you all a blank slate right now and said all of your sins in the past are forgiven, congratulations, That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? We'd take that deal. We want the clean slate. But you'd mess that thing up by the time you got done with lunch today. So Jesus didn't just give us a fresh start. This new creation isn't just like a new you, don't screw this one up. No, instead, he made us a whole new creation that sins have been paid for, not only your past sins, but the sins that you'll commit in the future. Why? Because when God looks at you now, he doesn't see you for the sinful, messed up dude you are. Instead, when God looks at you, he sees you as perfect and holy because when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what verse 21 is saying. He lived the righteous life we can never live. He died the death that we deserve. And he rose to life and now he lives. And because he lives, we can live and we can be recreated. It's the beauty of the gospel. So man, I have a real simple message for you today. You ready? Be reconciled. Be reconciled. If you have never been recreated, then I wanna just beg you today, friend, let today be the day of salvation. If you've heard this good news that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he stands ready to give you new life. This is what we would call being saved or being born again. This is that language that we use in the church, but all of it simply means the same thing, that we come to Jesus and recognize that we are sinners who need help. And when we come to the cross, we ask him to be our Lord and Savior. And in that moment, he saves us. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, you can bow the knee to King Jesus today and your life will forever be changed. Oh, and I wanna ask you to do that if you haven't done it before. We have our time of response. Brother Bryce and I are gonna be available to pray with you and talk to you about what that means. Your life can be completely new. So I pray that you'd respond as the Lord leads you today. But a ton of you in this room would already say, man, thank you, and and I always get this from people. I'm so glad you preached that sermon because there's a lot of lost people that need it. And yes and amen. But did you know you need the gospel too? I've been saying this on Wednesday nights. It's a saying that has jacked me up, and I'm still not over it. Here's the saying. It's hard to share the gospel with someone you think needs it worse than you. Yeah, that was an audible groan, friends. Did y'all hear that? And y'all don't even like to respond that way. But that was just, hey, you just did it on your own. It's hard to share the gospel with people you think need it more than you do. Here's the reality. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus saves us every single day. And when we're reminded that we've been reconciled, can I tell you what happens? We said it last week this way. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. The gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. So if you have been saved, if you have been reconciled, can I tell you what your mission is now? Your mission is to be a reconciler. 
That's what the text tells us. If you have been reconciled, you are called to be a reconciler. Verse 18 tells us that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that wild? Not only did God save us, but he said, hey, now you have this ministry of taking the gospel to the world. Can I just level with y'all? There's gotta be a better plan than this. Oh, y'all don't think so. It's fine. Apparently, y'all reaching the world for Jesus. Congrats. This is God's plan, though, to use the church of Jesus Christ to be on mission for him, taking the gospels to the ends of the world. Our calling in life is to tell people that Jesus saves. And I I know what you may be thinking right now. You're like, well, that's great for you, pastor. That's why we give in the offering so we can pay you to be a reconciler. That's not how it works. We'll talk about that when we go to Ephesians 4 in a couple of weeks. But the reality is God has saved you so that you could be on mission for him. You may be thinking, well, how do I live as a reconciler when I got kids? I got a job. I got work. I got all these things. Well, the text says something very interesting here. Verse 20, Paul says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ ambassadors, reconcilers live as ambassadors. We we need to think about this language for a minute. What, What is an ambassador? Here in our country, we have ambassadors all across the world. Their job is to represent the United States of America in whatever country they find themselves in. This is a high calling today. It's a position of honor, even in our modern culture. But what I want us to do this morning is consider the high calling that we have as ambassadors for King Jesus. To live as an ambassador is to live your entire life as a representative of King Jesus. Is it obvious to the people around you that you are living for a different kingdom? I was living in a foreign land known as Kansas for about five years can I tell you the number one question I got asked when I lived in Kansas? Where are you from? And it was because I talked like that. Where are you from? <laughs> you know? When I said, where are you from? They're like, where are you from, right? Everybody would listen to the way I talked, and they'd be like, this dude ain't from here. Here's what I want to ask you. I lived as an ambassador to Kansas from the great state of Texas for five years, and people could tell this dude ain't from here. Can I just say that I'm concerned, Christians, because we kind of look like we're from here. We kind of sound like we're from this world. We kind of live like we're of this world. Did you know that Christ has called us to live in such a radically different way that when the world looks at us, they say, they're not living for this kingdom This is what it means for us to be ambassadors. I'll never forget when I was leaving for college. Those are crazy times, man. I was going out of town. When I say out of town, it's Spurger. It takes like 10 seconds. But on the way out of town, I stopped at my grandparents' house, which was across the street, so it wasn't a far drive. And I remember my papa saying, hey, uh, come here, son. We need to talk for a minute. That's serious words from Paul Paul. You know how that is, right? Some of you have had these kind of conversations. So we walked to one of the rooms in the back of the house. I'm like, hey, this man's going to kill me before I even leave, right? And he, he just had that, that conversation that was really important. He said, listen, when you go out into this world, you need to remember that, that you're representing our family. 
Man, that family name you have means something. Your parents, your grandparents, we, we have a name that, that matters. Maybe we want to, everything you do, you need to remember that, that you're representing that family name. Well, with all due respect to Paul Paul, in fact, 20 years later, I still remember it. Like I feel, I close my eyes and I'm right there in that room. But, but 20 years later, can I just tell you the reality is as serious and sobering as that moment was for me, the sobering reality pales in comparison to the sobering reality that you and I represent King Jesus. Are you repping Jesus well? Are you living in such a way, practically speaking, that you look like an ambassador for King Jesus? Just a couple things, man. I want to just throw these out there quickly. First, ambassadors obey the king. Point blank. It's clear to the world around you that you're living for a different, there's a different person calling the shots in your life. He's not going by the American model of success. He's not going by money is the most important thing. He's not going by, I want my kid to be a superstar in 12 instruments and four sports. He's not going by all these things. He's living for a different kingdom. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your whole life ought to be lived for Christ. Are you done living for you? Verse 14 of the same chapter we're reading, we, we started in verse 16, but if you look a couple verses up, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in verse 14. Here's what it says. For the love of Christ compels us. You know what the ESV says? For the love of Christ controls us. Man, I want that to be my life. I want people to look at my life. I want to live my life in such a way that it's evident to others and evident to me that my life is being run by one person and one person alone, King Jesus. His love for me controls the way I live, the way I respond, the way I think, the way I talk, the way I go to work, the way I play, the way I do all these things. Being a reconciler, being an ambassador means we obey the king. But it's also clear from this text that you and I have a message to share. So not only do ambassadors obey the king, but friends, this is hard, but you need to hear it. Ambassadors speak for the king. Ambassadors speak for the king. And our message is clear. Look at verse 20 again. We plead on God's behalf. Be reconciled to God. This is our mission, friends. We are a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And we are called to plead with people to know Jesus. That word plead literally means beg. To beg people to know Christ. When it's used in other passages, that's really how it's translated as beg. When was the last time you begged with someone, implored them, pleaded with them to come to Jesus? You know what breaks my heart today? I don't know that most Christians I know, myself included, spend a lot of time thinking about the lost around them. Remember last week I said we're a pretty self-absorbed culture, Right? It's like, you know, you can go find a lot of Christian books about how to get your prayer life better, how to do this, how to feel better. And a lot of it's just pop psychology dressed up as Jesus language. It's dumb. It's the worst. But the Bible actually calls us to be a mission-minded people. Can I tell you how to, how to also, let's, let's go there. You want some good uh, psych, psychology help here? 
Some of you need counseling. Please go and do that, right? So I'm not trying to circumvent all that. But here's what I tell you. If you need some help, I've been telling the staff lately and we've been saying it to each other, get out of your own head. Do you know how you get out of your own head? It's not about you. Look around, serve others, live for others. And when you're doing that, man, God has a way of renewing your life and helping you. What breaks my heart is that we're so inwardly focused that we don't consider the lost around us. When was the last time you were brokenhearted for somebody that you knew was lost? So I'm kind of like a recovering sports fan. Like, man, I used to be, and I still don't, I don't mean to tell you that I don't watch sports, but like, I used to be crazy into sports. I mean, every, every sport I had a team, and I would live and die by how it worked out, man. I mean, it was tough. And I still get that way a little bit. It's all right. Michael's like my prayer partner. He messages me when the Cowboys do bad. It's fine. Uh, I'm working on it, trying to get over it. Yeah, sorry, brother. I'm, I love you, man. Praying for you this week. It's been hard. But so, so here's the thing, man. And by the way, it's okay to be into sports. My hobbies just kind of shifted. I have four kids, so you know, one day I'll probably be back into a crazy sports fan. But this is what happened to me one night. I'll never forget this. I don't even remember what team it was, what sport it was, but I was watching a game, and it was nighttime, and I can't even remember, but all I know, it was a devastating loss. One of those like gut punches where the person you're rooting for, team you're rooting for, chokes, and it's just like, oh. So we go to bed, and my wife's one of those. It's like, you're going to be able to sleep? Yeah, it's fine. She's asleep 10 seconds later, and it's like, okay, cool. And I'm just like tossing and turning, tossing and turning, thinking, man, if they'd only done this, if they'd only done that, if they'd only, and just was bothered by it, like ridiculously bothered by it. And I'll never forget the thought that the Lord put in my mind and heart. He said, when was the last time you couldn't sleep because you were worried about your lost neighbors? Man, you gotta know in Wichita, like we lived in one of those like suburban communities where literally probably like 40 feet from where we were, there was another couple in the master bedroom in the house next to us sleeping that were as lost as all get out and I knew it. And I thought there are people literally sleeping within 50, 60 feet of me right now who are lost and will spend eternity in hell separated from God. And I haven't given one thought to that, but I'm real mad because the Astros lost. It gutted me, man. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Can I just be honest with you? Right now, maybe some of you are feeling some guilt. You're like, oh, that's me. Can I tell you, guilt can change your afternoon, but it won't change your life. If it would change your life, I'd be throwing that guilt on you every single week. Right? <laughs> some pastors try. How's that working out, right? Can I tell you what will change your life is if Jesus himself gives you those renewed eyes to see people and see things the way he sees things. You may not be tossing and turning thinking about sports. There's always a danger with an analogy. Some of you are like, oh, foolish pastor. But can I tell you the things you lose sleep over, even things that matter, work, kids, school, all these things that overwhelm and distract us, but the call of this message is to realize and think about the reality of eternity and to know that eternity is on the line with these interactions you and I get to have. See things the way God sees them. Lord, give us kingdom eyes to see. So here's what I wanna do today, something insanely practical. 
I want you to pray this morning about someone in your life who needs to know Jesus. I want you to take some time, we're going to do that here in a moment, where you could just, man, there's somebody in my life who doesn't know Christ, that I'm around consistently, and what I want you to do is pray for that person, and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to be his ambassador to them, an opportunity to share Jesus with them somehow. Maybe that's an invitation to Easter service. Maybe that's an, uh, an invitation to a, a cup of coffee and a conversation. Maybe that's having them, their family over to your house for dinner so you can continue to build a relationship. But I want every single one of us in this room to commit to praying and seeking an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody in our lives. And, and I'm going to ask you to go one step further to make this a little bit more real today. Uh, up here in the front of the room, we've got a, a little piece of paper. And here's what this pa paper says. It just has one simple question. Who are you praying for to know Jesus? And what I want you to do, it has a spot for a name. Now listen, some of you are like, man, I can't write their full name. They, they may be here today, right? Or uh, it's somebody that people may know. If you're not comfortable writing a full name, I get it. But, but you can write a full name or a first name or you can Jane Doe. I don't care. God knows. But then there's a spot for your name. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. When we have our time of response in a moment, I'm going to encourage you to come down here during this response time and write that name of that person you're praying for in your name. And I want you just right here at the front of the room just to say a quick prayer and ask the Lord to give you opportunity and make you an ambassador. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave that face down on the altar somewhere up here. And here's what we're going to do. Our staff's going to gather those up. We're going to make a sheet with those names, the name of the people we're praying for. And we're not only going to pray for those people who need to know Jesus, we're going to pray that God will give you the opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Oh, this is dumb. I'm not moving. Can I just encourage you to take this step of faith today? Because I believe prayer changes things. And you're going to be down here with a bunch of other people anyway. So don't be scared. But, but here's what I also want to say, man. Some of y'all in here, still from the first part of the message, you're like, man, I, I need to know Jesus. Can I tell you, today might be the best day ever for you to come forward. Some of y'all are like, I ain't going up there. No one else is up there. Guess what? There's going to be a bunch of people up here today. And I'm going to ask Bryce, he and I are actually going to kind of go over here, maybe by my office door over here, so we're going to be out of the flow of traffic. If you are like, man, I need to talk to somebody about what it means to know Jesus, come grab one of us and let's have that conversation right here, right now, today. Be reconciled to God. For the rest of us, man, I pray that God would use this time to help us take an actual, tangible step toward being his ambassador. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes? Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for this text and the challenge that it brings us. And Lord, I pray you would help us now as we take a tangible step towards doing what it is you've called us to do. Lord, I ask that you would or put somebody on our heart or my friends right now that are praying through and thinking about who it is that they would want to reach out and talk to. Lord, I pray that you would give them a name and a face and Lord, that you'd give us boldness just to be willing to come down and write that name down so that we can have multiple people praying over them in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you for what you're gonna do in this time. And we ask you, Lord, to move as we respond to your word. Thank you for listening to Central Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about Central Buna, please visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com.